The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. When's the last time you thought about retirement? What about saving for your kid's college? In these crazy economic times, working with a professional is of the utmost importance. And that's where my friend Thomas Chandler comes in. Thomas is a financial planner with Capital Financial Group, and he wants to help you make the right decisions for your financial future. So give him a call today at 662 662- 2960186 that's 6622960186 and tell them that Ben sent you for a no cost consultation and get started toward financial independence today with Thomas Chandler of Capital Financial Group You're listening to Talk of Champions an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions of that sus edition of Talk of Champions. Or that's sus edition of Talk of Champions. You might be thinking, Ben, why? Why be down in the dumps? Because our dear friend Nick, now formerly of the Jackson Clarion Ledger where he covered Ole Miss, is headed to Nashville on the road at this very minute as we record, headed to become the Tennessee Titans beat reporter for the Tennessean. Hey, my friend. Hey, Ben. Let's pretend like we didn't just talk for 30 minutes beforehand. Well, now that you told everybody, <laughs> kind of messes it up. <laughs> they, did, they didn't hear that. Everybody, forget, forget that Ben and I, we were just talking for the first time. You called me up out of the blue. Congratulations are in order, sir. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And thank you guys listening for yelling congratulations at your screen in unison with Ben. Well, they're also dropping you mentions on Twitter and message board. I've had yeah. a lot of people on my message board go, oh, Nick is the best Clarion Ledger Ole Miss beat reporter that it's ever had. Well, thank you, guys. I mean, I've, I've really been overwhelmed by the uh, outpour of, of support and praise. I mean, I, I'm i not the best at taking praise, as Ben will be the first person to tell you, but I, uh, I really have appreciated the kind words because – I mean, these last four and a half years have meant a lot to me. I mean, I I got to Mississippi as, like, some long-haired 24-year-old punk kid who really only wanted to watch reruns of public access comedy shows from New York in 2011. And now I'm, like, an actual human being adult, which is different. Um, And and I owe a lot to, to Mississippi, owe a lot to the people here. For uh, for that hospitality and helping me become a real person, you know. 
Where are you going to be this weekend? Yeah, this weekend will be fun. I am tomorrow. I will get on a plane and fly to Houston. Uh, and then Saturday I'll drive up to college station and then I'll drive back to Houston after the game. And the Titans are playing the Texans in Houston on Sunday. So it's a, it's a two for one weekend of, uh, getting my last Ole Miss game and my first Titans game within about 18 hours of each other. Which one do you think you'll get first? Hey, Nick, where have you been on that sus? Or, hey, Nick, where are my five fun facts? I think it's going to be the fun facts. I, I can tell you that's been the, the most gratifying thing is how many people are like, no, what's going to happen to the fun facts? And I was like, I did not think that many people cared as intently about it. And I'll tell you, there's one fan who I'll let you guys uh, read between the lines who I'm talking about, who I did not think knew any reporter existed, who I have uh, recently learned is a big fan of the fun facts. So that was, uh, that was nice. You can just say Lane Kiffin. It's okay. Yeah, it's Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Lane Kiffin liked your five fun facts. He's never said, hey, yeah, no. Nick loved you on that sus Thursday on Talk of Champions. <laughs> Would be great if like Lane was just like listening to all the local podcasts, just going around. He's like, yeah, there's four or five of them. I told this to a couple of people who work in Ole Miss, uh, the administrative office. Who would have thought a Clarion Ledger reporter would have been here for five football seasons? Not me. What did I tell you the first time I met you? Yeah, this is a funny story for, I don't think we've told on the podcast before. Literally the first thing Ben ever said to me was, we can't be friends. I don't want to get attached. But it was true, because now you're leaving. We got a full presidential administration worth of, worth of time together, or as some people might call it, a college experience, like four yeah. years the best joke I've heard since I announced the move and shout out to whoever said this in some homeless group chat that I was sent a screenshot of, but somebody said four years in Mississippi, then moving to Nashville, just like every girl who comes to Ole Miss from Georgia or Texas. <laughs> Ole Miss is going to beat Texas A&M, right? Probably. So Texas A&M is really weird and I don't really need to explain anything further. You guys probably all agree. But, like, if you look at the indicators and if you look at the results, I feel like the indicators show they were playing worse when they were winning than they've played when they've been losing. And some of that comes down to when they started 3-1, and one, it was they still lost a terrible game to Appalachian State. They should have lost to Arkansas. The other two opponents were a really bad Miami team and Houston State or whoever it was. But over the course of that 3-1 and one start, their defense was giving up like nine points a game. Despite the fact that they were averaging fewer than two sacks a game, they weren't forcing turnovers, they weren't making tackles for loss, they weren't forcing all that many punts. They were just holding bad offenses down. Now, in their three-game losing streak against Mississippi State, Alabama, and uh, South Carolina, turnovers are up. They're taking the ball away. Sacks are up. Tackles for loss are up. They're doing the indicators of, oh, that's a good defense, but they're giving up 35 points a game. And, and I can't wrap my head around exactly what is the thing that's going to make them successful. And I know a lot of it's just going to come down to 
well, their offense has been really cruddy and been given the defense terrible field position. It's kind of hard to work with when your offense is giving the ball away seven times in three games or whatever it is. That's, that's really hard to overcome. But it's also a situation where Texas A&M has a really great running back, and they have a defense that at times can take away the run. And if you've got a running back who's going to go downhill like Devin Ashan, and you have a defense that can force Ole Miss into passing against, I think, like the number seven pass defense in the country or somewhere thereabouts. Texas A&M has done a really good job of defending the pass this year. The only time that anyone's thrown for more than 200 against them was Mississippi State. There's there's a chance this could be a bad matchup. And, and we saw last week how Ole Miss can be exposed in bad matchups. But it's not the same kind of classic bad matchup that LSU was last week. You kind of answered the question I was going to ask. Why do I feel so kind of freaked out about it? And now you kind of answered it for me because it isn't a great matchup. Yeah, and the, the thing that's always been scary about this game is that it's on October 29th. Like, if you draw as Ole Miss, if you draw Texas A&M in September or early October, you feel a lot better. And I know they've been struggling, and I know they didn't look great against South Carolina, but also South Carolina returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown and then forced turnovers on the first two possessions and made, South, made Texas A&M play from behind the entire game. That's not a game plan. That's not a strategy. That's incredibly fortunate game management, and, and they took advantage of it. South Carolina won. But it's not as if A&M got absolutely blown off the field in that game. A&M played pretty equal, if not better, to South Carolina after five disastrous minutes to start the game. So, I don't know. The fact that A&M's young players are kind of growing into their home reminds me a little bit of, I guess you could say, the end of the 2013 season at Ole Miss, maybe, where you have all these young players, they're starting to figure things out, you're starting to see the, oh yeah, no, big recruiting classes matter versus Ole Miss where at this point the questions are, is the depth as good as we thought it was? Are these injuries hurting more than we thought they would? And that's really tough to answer. That's just a tricky situation of what does this team do if uh, Quinchon Judkins is the only healthy running back? What does this team do if Cedric Johnson can't rotate? with Jared Ivey and uh, Tavius Robinson? What do they do without Troy Brown? What do they do without A.J. Finley? It's it's interesting. It's a really, really, you kind of have to wait and see sort of situation. I think all of those guys are going to be available this weekend except for Trigg because he broke his collarbone. But the injury yeah. stuff is a big deal, and we haven't talked or written enough about it. Remember during baseball season when people would be complaining about the lack of production from the DH, and I would keep having to say, if your ninth best hitter isn't that good, that's not your biggest problem. Like, if your number three receiver is putting up the numbers that Jordan Watkins and Dave Wade are combining to put up, that's not your team's problem. Obviously, it would help to have somebody of the caliber of Jalen Robinson. Like, would this team be better with an all-conference caliber slot receiver? Yes. Like, there's no disputing that. But when you get down to the brass tacks of what does this team actually need to get better at in order to get back to being the goals of 
getting to a New Year's Six or contending for a college football playoff or whatever you want to say about the 11-1 and beat Alabama, maybe still win the West type thing. It's got to come down to you got to figure out how to stop the run and you got to make your offense a little more three-dimensional. Here's my thought process, and it's kind of scattershot, so bear with me, guys. But Ole Miss's offense is so inherently built around the ability to go fast, and that's what distinctly makes it great. But the problem is, if you are not going fast on those first two plays, if you go fast and you fail on those first two plays of a drive, without Michael Trigg, this offense is not set up very well for third and long. And without Jackson Dart running with taking the, the draw plays out of the playbook, not really set up for third and long. So when the defense is struggling, anytime the offense fails to score on a possession, it fails to score on a possession really quickly and sends the struggling defense back out tired, which exacerbates the problem and puts the offense in a hole. And when the offense gets in a hole, the play calling gets a little bit too limited because you can't run the ball downhill over and over and over again when you're in a hole. And the bigger the deficit gets, the bigger this vortex of self-induced issues becomes. So the more, the first time the offense struggles, you need that defense to get a stop. Because if it goes, other team scores, offense goes three and out, other team scores, then you're creating a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now you couple that with the fact, when the first seven games of the season, before Evans missed, the average was if Quinshawn Judkins was on the field, 48% of the times he was going to touch the ball as the runner. If Zach Evans was on the field, 49% of the times he was going to touch the ball as a runner. Against LSU, without Evans in the game, Judkins ran the ball on 35% of his snaps. So that goes from a situation where you're alternating running backs every other drive and they're touching the ball a little under half the times they're on the field to you have one running back on the field every play and he's touching it about a third of the time. And I asked Kiffin about this and he said, there's something to it. I think he might've been downplaying it. There's a lot to that. Like if you are supposed to be giving the ball to your best player on the field, which is almost always the running back every other play, and now you are not giving it to him two out of three plays, the offense is going to be worse. So you combine those two things, the self-fulfilling prophecy of not being able to run when you're playing behind, and also the stamina issue of not being able to run as much when you only have one running back. And it's really hard to fix that offense's problem without completely changing the identity of what the offense does. Or without Jackson Dart just becoming next-worldly, and he's not ready for that. No, not yet. The fact that Dart is not being asked to run as much anymore also takes a dimension out of this offense. And if you told me that Lane just said that to get Jimbo off his tail and they're going to run Dart 30 times this week, sure, whatever. The gamesmanship is always going to be on. But I also do tend to read between the lines more when, when Kiffin says something. And I, I think there was probably a tactical purpose for saying that. Why remove it, though? Is it just to protect him? I think that's probably a protection. I mean, he's getting hit so much in the passing game, too. That's a lot of hits to be taken. 
Like, I get it. But you're also handcuffing your offense because that's such a dynamic aspect of what this team's able to do is the quarterback keep on the RPO read. I mean, that's something that really this team lived off of two or three games this year. Yeah, so then for me, the issue is not Jackson Dart taking hits as a runner. It's your offensive line. Fix that. Yeah, you never know. There, there might also be other factors behind the scenes about who wants who to run and whatnot and protecting your quarterback when you don't have great depth back there and all that stuff. There are a lot of other behind-the-scenes factors that are really awkward and uncomfortable to address. But I don't know. I, I think that... We'll see how much closer Bentley is to full speed this week. I think he's probably going to be 90, 95% of the way to full strength. And we'll see what Evans can do. Um, when I was out there for practice on Tuesday, Evans wasn't wearing a non-contact jersey. He was in his regular jersey, but he did have a pretty significant sleeve on his leg. So we'll see how much first he can have, how explosive he can be if he does try to go. And I expect him to try to go. He wants to play it. If there's any game Zach Evans would want to play in, it's the game in the shadow of his hometown. He's from Houston. But, I don't know, we'll, we'll see We'll see how much he can go. What does that say about Kentrell Bullock, though, that they've had these kind of injuries and they've had this kind of usage for running backs and he's not seeing the field outside of special teams? I don't even know if he's seeing the field on special teams, man. I don't see him out there. Is he playing? Is he dressed? I don't know. I just saw him a couple weeks ago on special teams. Yeah, I... I got an email yesterday asking why the team isn't using Isaiah Woolard enough, and that was a that was a blast from the past. I forgot he's like a six-year senior on this team. I will always put Isaiah Woolard and Cam Akers together in my mind in history, because Cam Akers That's spurned what? Ole Miss and Isaiah Woolard signed, and now Cam Akers is in the league, and Isaiah Woolard is in his sixth season at Ole Miss. It's funny to think about stuff like that or stuff like. Jack Abraham being in his sixth year of college and DK Metcalf being on his second NFL contract. These guys were high school teammates. They were the same recruiting class and, and the paths that people can take when you're a true superstar like a DK Metcalf or a Cam Akers. It's wild. Yeah, especially when the guys that you associate with them from recruiting are still in school. Isaiah Wood, they call him Unk on this team. It's like Burt Reynolds in... Uh... The remake, that shitty remake of The Longest Yard. Can I can I rant about that movie for like 20 seconds? Yeah, of course. It's your last That's Sus. It didn't have to be your last, but I'm just assuming. Why did they cast real sports writers to write about the game at the end? Like, I don't know how long it's been since you watched that movie, but when they cut to the press box, it's like Peter Adam King. Schechter and Peter King yep. and uh, John, John McClain from the Houston paper and Sam Farmer from the LA Times, and I'm just like, why? What? what? You could have cast any generic middle-aged dudes, <laughs> and we would have been like, yep, those are sports writers. But Sandler's attention to detail. Here's my rant about the Longest Yard remake. All right, it's fine. The action's better than the original, whatever. But at the end of the original, they go back to jail, and yet in this one, there's just this convenient way for Adam Sandler to suddenly not only win the game but also get out of jail. Come on, man, this is dumb. Tell me you missed the point of the original without telling me you missed the point of the original. Oh, you're right. But also, I've seen, I think at last count, I've seen 32 Adam Sandler movies in my life. Jesus, man. You, you just you just tune into them and you, you enjoy the ride. And Sometimes you get a great one, and sometimes you get I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry. The Wedding Singer is objectively a really good movie. 
two Sandler movies. It's, it's Billy Madison and The Wedding Singer are, are his two best. And the bottom two are The Cobbler and The Cobbler again. Gosh, don't watch The Cobbler. That movie's really bad. It cannot be worse than Jack and Jill. It cannot be. I've seen Jack and Jill. It is worse than Jack and Jill. Jack and Jill might accidentally be a masterpiece. Oh, my God. And I'm not going to be like, the oh, it's ironic. It's, it's on purpose. Like, everything in it is on purpose. Everything about it is just finely tuned to make you say, what? The car buying process can be a lot. I know. I've been there. You just want to get in and out with a new car and the best deal. Simple. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford keeps it simple. They're going to take care of you, get you in and out with your new vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory right now is priced to sell, and what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from any and all competitors is they aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. BNA Bank is celebrating 125 years of local banking. For generations, BNA Bank has been a stable fixture in Northeast Mississippi, supporting and investing in our local small businesses, local schools, local community events, local charities, and so much more. At BNA Bank, we believe in our local communities, businesses, and organizations because we are a local business, too. Thank you for choosing to bank local with BNA Bank. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Talk of Champions is also brought to you in part by MyBookie. You know football, and you pick winners all the time, so why not get paid for them at MyBookie? Bet single-game spreads, money lines, or parlay multiple together to increase your payouts. Low contest entry fees and over half a million to be won make it so you don't have to be a pro gambler to have fun. Getting started is easy. Just visit MyBookie.ag, MyBookie.ag, and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions, TOC, on your first deposit to secure a double deposit bonus. That's promo code TOC for Talk of Champions, TOC, to get your first deposit matched dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. MyBookie is a proven sports book that makes it simple to bet and win. So make this your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. Well, you're free now, and you can make whatever pick you want about Ole Miss Texas A&M this weekend, so what's the score? Like 27-21 Ole Miss or something. I think it's going to be a lower-scoring game. I think Texas A&M has a, has a similar effect that Kentucky did of slowing the game down. Um, and that's fine. Ole Miss, the Ole Miss defense is at its best when it gets to play slow. So I think it's probably good if Texas A&M is not going to use tempo. But I think that Ole Miss kind of says, okay, we'll take a slow game this time, especially before the bye week. Give yourself a little bit of time to rest and recuperate finally. If they were to lose this game, 
where does the next win come? That's tricky. Um, Alabama's going to be coming off of a really tough emotional LSU game. And that doesn't mean Ole Miss is going to be the favorite by any stretch, but we still do have to acknowledge that that Alabama game in Oxford, if Ole Miss is coming off of back-to-back losses, is going to be incredible motivating. I don't know what's going on with Arkansas this year. Um, I would not be surprised if Arkansas lost at Auburn this weekend. And that's not to say I think Arkansas is a worse team than um, Auburn by any stretch of the imagination. But I, I think that Ole Miss can win in Fayetteville. But I also think that K.J. Jefferson could run for 200 yards against this team. And we've seen him almost do it before, so it's not like that's coming out of nowhere. Um, and then the Mississippi State game is going to be really tough. That's a really good defense. That's a phenomenal, phenomenal defense. That Their two hiccups this year have been against Alabama and LSU. And in a normal year, if you say, oh, your two losses are to Alabama and LSU, you think, okay, you're probably playing in the Peach Bowl. But I don't know. It's, we will see. There is a way, and it was the thing we cautioned people against back in freaking July. There's a way this team starts seven and zero and finishes seven and five. And I'm not saying I expect it to happen. I think they're going to finish with eight or nine wins, kind of like I've been saying all season. But you look ahead, and if they don't get healthy and if they don't fix some of their defensive problems, this could go from talking about the college football playoff to talking about the Las Vegas Bowl really fast. If you get this wrong, you no longer get to cover the Titans for the Tennessean. Would you put your job on the line picking Ole Miss to go 7-5? and five? They're going to finish one of the two. You don't know which one. 7-5, and 11-1, and one. knowing what you know about them, knowing the rest of the schedule. If you knew that they were going to finish one of those two ways, which one are you laying your job on the line for? I would say 7-5 and five is more likely than 11-1. and one. I never feel likely, but I'd say 7-5 and five just because the question comes down to what's more likely. They beat Alabama or they lose Alabama. I think they're going nine and three. I think they're winning this weekend and beating state. I'm still teetering on that eight to nine win range. That's a good season. Let's recalibrate the expectations guys. When you lost 89% of your offensive yardage and 50% of your defensive production off of last year, and you're still staring down the barrel of a nine win season, feel good about it. That's a good thing for this program. That's really good for this program's growth. But, but it was because they were yeah. so close to being more potentially, if it does happen that way. It could still happen. They could still win every single game they play. They have the talent to do so. I don't think they're going to. Like I said, I think they're going to go 9-3, and three, and that's an objectively great year. But it's because they were so close to more. Let me ask you this hypothetical, and I think I asked you this back in July, but I'll, I'll ask it again. Is 8-4 and four easier to stomach if you start 4-2 and two and finish 4-2? and two? than it is if you start 7-0 and and finish 1-4. and Yes, that's not even hard. Yes. Yes. Why? Like, I agree. It's, it's absolutely easier, but it's so silly. 8-4 and four should be 8-4. and four. It should, but it's not that black and white. When you open the year playing Central Arkansas in Troy in Tulsa, and that's your three out of eight wins. My point is, if you put the Central Arkansas game and the Arkansas game. You flip those on the schedule. And so you put your wins towards the back half instead of the front half. Instead of playing four straight non-conference games, 
if the schedule is just shuffled, where two of your four losses are in the first half of the season instead of the second half of the season, same teams, you lose to the same teams, just at different points in the season, you still feel better four and two, four and two, than you do seven and zero, oh, one and four. It's a bizarre thing the human brain does, where no matter how many times you tell yourself or you read or you hear or whatever it is. Hey, you're probably going to start six and zero, six and one, or seven and zero, and then things are going to get tougher. When that happens, you still tricked yourself into thinking, "Oh, we're going to go twelve and zero." Just because, like again, I'm detached from it. I did not go to Ole Miss. I, I have never had much of a vested rooting interest in Ole Miss. I was able to look at it objectively the entire time and say, "This is what we thought was going to happen." But it's totally fine. It's totally acceptable for the fan impulse to be. Oh gosh, this is this is everything we've ever dreamed of. This is a seven and zero start. It could easily turn into eight and zero. It could easily turn into nine and zero. And then coming off a bye against Alabama, it's the biggest game in program history. Now I understand that the the thoughts kind of snowball in the same way that I, I'm sure we were saying these same things in the College World Series. And hey guys, don't get irrational here. Remember, this was still the last team in. Remember, they've still struggled, and the snowballing happened, and they ended up winning, and that's fantastic. Sometimes dreams do come true. That's the cliche. But let's also keep perspective on this is a completely brand new team that I'm pretty sure last week started 11 players on offense who didn't start there last year who were either new to the team or were playing different positions than they played last year. When you have, like, the number 11 total offense in the country with 11 players who didn't play that position last year, and I'm, I'm not counting Mingo because he was hurt for most of last year, but it would have been 10 if you count Mingo. That's still incredible that your completely brand new offense is working. That's really impressive. It is. And objectively, sitting in your seat, that's something to be celebrated. For the Ole Miss fan, it's just throw it on top of the pile of fourth and 25 on the Valpo Bryce Drew shot. I get it. I'm just trying to be the... Uh the rationalist slash optimist. I don't know which one I'm being right now, and some people might be hearing this and thinking, oh, you're being such a pessimist. If they beat State and beat Texas A&M, okay, good. That's still like a Citrus Bowl or a fringe um, uh, New Year's Six type. Yeah. Like, that's a really good season. Do you get more of a satisfaction about your predictions being right than you do about the team winning sometimes? Oh, no, no, never. Okay. There are some times where, like, I'll be fighting with Becker or something. I'll be fighting. We'll just be discussing things. And I'll realize, do I even care about being right here? Or do I just like, am I so obsessed with like proving that I know stuff that I don't even care about the point I'm making? Like the other day we had the dumbest argument ever where I spent 10 minutes trying to convince her that Alfredo sauce and queso are essentially the same thing. They are not. I know that's not true. But I kept arguing it for 10 minutes because I was like, I can be right about this. That's more of a narcissism thing. I love you to death, but, I mean, that's what that is. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 can, I trust that I can big brain my way into <laughs> a argument I've been having for almost a full year now about how Cuban sandwiches are just ham paninis. <laughs> <laughs> What's the one thing we disagreed on the most? Is it How I Met Your Mother? Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah. No, and, I, and I'm not going to say it was a good ending. I'm just saying it was the correct ending. And distancing yourself from the emotion of a show that both of us spent nine years of our lives watching 
is really hard to do. Yes, but as somebody who is really geeky about storytelling, I'm like, yep, that's that's the way the story ends. You know, you could take this moment to finally say, instead of digging in, digging your heels, being objectively wrong that How I Met Your Mother ended correctly, say, Ben, I was incorrect. That show sucked. No. And that ending sucked. No? No. And I've actually gone back and rewatched a good portion of How I Met Your Mother recently. Um, the show itself really fell off around the middle of season five. Like, middle of season five, when you have Girls vs. Suits and Perfect Week and all of that stuff, after that, the show really starts to lose its steam. And the last season is a culmination of that. It's not like the show was kicking butt, kicking butt, kicking butt, and then season nine happens. Season six, seven, eight, nine were all pretty lackluster. So it kind of makes sense that it kind of limps to the finish. I think there were a couple of great episodes in season nine. How Your Mother Met Me is a great episode. There are a couple of other ones in there, too. Um, uh, what's it called? Blauman, I think, is the third or fourth to last episode. That one's really, really good, really gut-punchy. But the finale does something that a lot of great endings do. And, and I've been thinking a lot about endings recently as I'm leaving Oxford. A lot of great endings think that the best thing to do is tell you everything that happens to these people, is finish their lives. Parks and Rec. Um, then there are other great examples of finales where what they do is they tell you a slice of life. Like the Every Loves Raymond finale, which I don't even know if you remember, is just an episode of Every Loves Raymond. But it puts a bow on the show in such a beautiful way. It's one of my five favorite TV finales ever, despite the fact that nothing... Nothing close to final happens. I mean, it's just a really good way to end the show. I like the ones that kind of bridge the gap. Do you have a favorite TV finale ever? I have my top five most hated. Okay. I never, like, I was thinking about this as you were talking, and I was going, what is my favorite finale ever? And I don't know if there is one. Because I can't remember being completely satisfied. Like, I wasn't completely satisfied after The Wire. I wasn't completely satisfied after Breaking Bad. I hated the Lost finale. Game of Thrones. And look, everybody's listening to this podcast for a while. I had a friggin' segment. And still do. I gotta get Maester Daniel back on. The night is dark and full of spoilers. I was the biggest Game of Thrones nerd outside of Maester Daniel. That ending ruined all of it for me. I don't know if there's a finale that I've ever really loved. So it's not about how I met your mother. Oh my God. I'll, I'll run you through my picks for some good endings. If, if that's what we're doing here. Um, MASH is always going to be the gold standard. I will I yeah. will stand by MASH being a darn near perfect finale. Um, Scrubs, uh, the finale being season eight. We don't talk about season nine, but the season eight finale of Scrubs is, uh, is as perfect of an ending as any sitcom has ever gone. Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights is a good finale. That's a good pick. That's the one. I love that ending. And now I will expose myself for the immature geek that I am by telling you what my pick for probably the best ever TV finale I've ever seen. Okay. Ben, please make fun of me as much as I deserve. Uh, Adventure Time. The finale of Adventure Time had me and my fiance weeping for a solid 20 minutes. Freaks and Geeks is a good one. Great one. I, I, I think that 
the fact that they put so much care into ending a show that never really started is fantastic. Arrested Development fits a similar mold of they knew they were going to get canceled, so they had to end the show when they went with a really big sweeping finale, and I feel like it worked. I'll defend the Friends finale, which I know a lot of people are iffy about. I will defend the finale of The Office, which is a show that I don't love that much compared to other people. I I watched it when it was on the air, and I desperately wanted my friends to watch The Office with me, and they did not want to. And then 10 years later, it becomes the most popular show ever, and I'm over it. But the finale of The Office sticks landing. I recently rewatched The Good Place, and I made it through the finale only crying four times. So uh, that's improvement over the first time. Well, thank you for doing this. Good luck on your travels. You'll crush it, but you'll be missed, my friend. Um, this has been Talk of Champions. That's us Thursday. If you haven't already, subscribe to review Talk of Champions on iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. I write for the Old Miss Spirit on three. He's Nick Suss at Nick Suss, now covering the Tennessee Titans for the Tennessean. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, and this is not goodbye. I've told Ben, and now I'll tell the listeners. I'm going to be coming back. It's not going to be every week, but we're still going to do shows because I can't quit you guys quite yet. No, you can't quit your friend Ben. That said, I cannot. five years ago, I do not want to get attached. And look where we are. I was right. Hashtag Ben was right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.